It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Final Drive. Corey LeBounty joined by Nick Wiggins on a scorching hot, historically hot Wednesday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for tuning in those dials to WNSP 105.5 and the final drive. Of course, if you have not downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, you want to make sure that you do so so you can interact with us not only here on the final drive but the opening kickoff and throughout the high school football season. It's a great way to do so because it's a free downloadable app to where you can call us out, you can correct us, you can go ahead and give us your thoughts and opinions on anything, and it's all available on the free Sound of Mobile app that you can download to any Android or Apple device that you may have. We also love if you call us the old-fashioned way, 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. Great show, Nick Wiggins, scheduled today. Of course, if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, you want to make sure that you tune in to our 4 o'clock hour to where we'll have George Teague, yeah, that George Teague who who made a, a big play or two for the Alabama Crimson Tide on that 92 national championship team. Of course, George Teague coaching high school football along with playing for the Dallas Cowboys. So you don't want to miss that 4 o'clock interview. Simone Eli, sports director at WKRG, joining us at 3.30. 5 o'clock, Kenny King. Talking about the matchup with the Murphy Panthers, his Daphne Trojans open up high school football at Lab People Stadium tomorrow. And Jim Nagy will be joining us at 4.30 as well. That Senior Bowl watch list came out, and we'll be talking all about that. And we're going to start today's show, Nick Wiggins, by the NCAA as never a friend of the student-athlete. It's kind of... The NCAA finds who and when they want to punish people, but Reggie Bush ultimately has been punished by winning one of the most coveted awards in college football. Now, was it wrong? Was it right for the NCAA to strip him of his Heisman Trophy? That's up for debate. Yeah, I mean, look, so Reggie Bush is – filing a defamation lawsuit uh, stemming from the comments that the NCAA made uh, in July of 2021 saying that the NCAA maliciously attacked his character through a completely false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably damaged his reputation. Uh, basically, they came out and said that you know, because of the, r- the reasoning why his Heisman was taken away in 2010, is because that they were saying that he was pay to play and none of that actually came to light. That was never officialized. That wasn't the reason why. And now, you know, here we are two years later when those statements were made by the NCAA. 
that it, there never was a pay-for-play arrangement, and Reggie Bush is trying to, I guess, come back and get what's rightfully his. Well, it's always going to be rightfully his because he earned it on the field. You can't take away the fact that he earned the Heisman Trophy Award by being the best collegiate football player in 2005. Right. You can't dispute that. What you can and will and have to dispute is the fact that he broke the rules that the NCAA had in place in 05 to where when you accept cash, when you have travel expenses, when you have a rent-free home and $10,000 worth of furnished furniture, that is a no-no in NCAA standards in 2005. So what are, what are they saying then about the – they said, yeah, it's because of pay-for-play, and now he's filing defamation. It was never pay-for-play. You guys are ruining my image. What did we take the Heisman Trophy away from him then? So for? because now there is name, image, and likeness, it's kind of going back to the future. What you're going to have to do is to say, well – even though you were the best player, it's like those rules didn't exist. So you start vacating wins is which what USC had to but do. They had to vacate a national championship. Right. So to me, is it the national championship or is it the Heisman Trophy? Which one is greater stakes for the USC program? I know we have a caller who's called in and wants to chime in about Reggie Bush. What's up, caller? Hey, so I think there's some, there's some misunderstanding here. What it is is he signed with an agent when he had declared to the NFL while the season was still going on, and they they gave him some money, gave his parents some money after he had already declared to the NFL, and they went back and took the time to trust for that season. So it's technically he didn't take money like a Tennessee situation. That's not what was going on. I don't think we said that that's what's going on. I think I just said that cash, travel expenses, rent-free home was given to his family members in excess of furniture over $10,000. When that's the case, that that's an illegal benefit, regardless had he won the Heisman or not, that USC would have been in a lot of trouble. It just so happens it was Reggie Bush. Caller, so you are you pro-Reggie in this defamation suit or, or against what he's doing? Sorry, man. Your your connection was a little muffled there. I think you might have been going down a dirt road or something. I don't know. But look, I mean, I think he's kind of saying what you were saying. He earned on the field Absolutely. that Heisman Trophy. Absolutely. Did he technically break those rules and regulations in 2005? Yes. Yes. Was he ever paid to play? Hey, you're about to come play this game. Here's fifty thousand dollars. Thanks for coming and playing. No, they what? would have to prove that. Right. What now was the NCAA rep who made that comment? Who the lawsuits against? Was he saying it a little tongue in cheek in a way? Like, no, it wasn't like pay to play, but he did receive money for being a USC Trojan. And playing football, I mean, in that regard, yes, it is, in a way, pay-to-play. I mean, look, 
and he's saying that it 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 ruined his career and the way we look at him and th- when these comments were made in 2021 when these comments were made did you look at Reggie Bush and say oh man I can't look at this guy yeah, you, you really ruined the image of Reggie Bush for me in 2021 no. we already all knew about this since 2010 when the thing happened what what would have been funny is if you don't give it back he gave the replica back USC gave the replica back if he just would have said, "No, nah, I don't, I don't feel like giving it back," what then? The the in, the Heisman Trust they sue him and say, "Look, make a judge order him to give it back, make you USC give back the replica." I think that when you look at him wanting his 2005 Heisman reinstated, that he did forfeit in 2010. I think the biggest thing that the the the, the Heisman Trust has said and made it quite simple to where when you have, when the recipient must be in compliance with the bylaws defining an NCAA student athlete, that's the thing that Reggie Bush Bush did not do. And that's what ultimately cost him his Heisman Trophy. Now, name, image, and likeness today, if you're in 2022 or 2023, you don't have oh, that yeah. problem no because worries. you're able to be compensated. But right. in 2005, absolutely not. You see so many teams, you have to laugh at the word vacated because what are you going to do? Say, give me your national championship ring back to that doesn't exist. Of course, mm-hmm. the wins are going to be there. The national championship game we is saw forever going to be You can there. go on YouTube and pull up every win and <laughs> watch that final score, you know. You can go watch Reggie Bush be granted and holding that Heisman Trophy. I mean, in the record books, is it vacated? Is there an asterisk right there and a blank? Yes, but if you were alive and you saw it, you know it happened. Um, right here, a comment in the app, King Kane says, it wasn't pay for play in, it was paid or pay to go play for a certain school. He got money, but not specifically to go to USC Thus, it's defamation. So if it's a situation to where you want to look at the wording and the defamation of Reggie Bush's name, so I understand where you could go ahead and and you might as well go ahead and and shoot for it. Why not? Do you think the suit has legs? Because the worst that can happen, Nick, is that they go ahead and they give it back to you. That that, that is – they're going to say no anyway. But, I mean, if you're Reggie Bush – you're, you're not hurting for money. Of course, you've seen all we've seen earlier talk about, well, the Johnny Manziel documentary unveiled that he wasn't the cleanest of the Heisman Trophy winners as well. Right. And no one and we took all, his trophy from that's him. right. Because he didn't get caught, I guess, right? But now we see it. So now can the – I guess the NCAA isn't going to come out and say, hey, look, we watched that Johnny Manziel documentary and we're going to have to pull his Heisman as well. No, that's not going to happen either. But, Deusty, hypothetically, if one of you guys got caught doing drugs today, you would be fired. But five years from now, it could be legal. Would they give you your job back? I think it depends on your boss, honestly. Like, if you really think about it, like, I think that is how it goes. And from that, in that, you know, before this current NIL era, the NCAA, man, they were sticklers. I remember there was a kicker. They're still sticklers. There was a kicker for the University of Central Florida who had a YouTube channel. And he had monetization enabled on his videos, and he got kicked off the team because he was technically profiting off his Student name, athlete. image, 
and likeness. So, look, the NCAA, you want to talk about would your boss hire you back? Back then, man, that that'd be like your boss was a prison warden. Well, I, I will say this. You know, would they give you your job back five years later? Probably your job wouldn't be available. That same job title wouldn't be available. But we're talking about an award. We're talking about something that was handed to him that he gave back voluntarily. No, a judge did not order him to give it back. He could have gone ahead and, and, and chose to keep it if he wanted to. USC, I mean, they had to vacate the wins. But, again, you can live with an asterisk next to it. Reggie Bush is always going to be one of the most electric college football players that you have ever watched, played with on the video game. There's 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 a name, image, and likeness that's always going to follow Reggie Bush when it comes back to what he was able to accomplish so what, at USC. What do you think, big picture, you know, Reggie Bush is filing this suit. What is he going to get out of it? I think he ultimately hopes to get his hardware back. That's what oh, I think. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think he wants to get his hardware back. He, he wants the Heisman reinstated. He wants his records to actually not have an asterisk or to be non-existent. He wants his records to exist. But is that? And that's what he's suing for. But is the? I mean, he he's the lawsuit is based off the defamation on the comments that the NCAA representative made in 2021. He did pay for play. That wasn't technically what the rule break was why and why he had to give it up in 2010. So, to me, it seems like two completely separate things. Like, yes, I broke this rule and I had to give the trophy back for that reason. But in 2021, you said that I actually did this when that's not what I did. I think that when you look at legally, you and I both are not attorneys. So right. we're looking big picture. Yeah, if yeah. you want to look minute and look at the verbiage and the language that is within the lawsuit that sure. is based and is filed, what are you ultimately asking for? That is what Reggie Bush is going to go before in his press conference this afternoon and speak upon because I guarantee he's going to be asked, Reggie Bush, what do you ultimately want to come out of this lawsuit? Why are you suing the NCAA? And what do you hope to obtain? Is it to get your records back? Is it to get your Heisman Trophy back? Is it for a dollar? What right. is the purpose of this being done at this point in time in your life? And with, when he does come about that interview, I look forward to hearing his comments about it. But I don't think he's going to get his Heisman no. Trophy back. I but he was the baddest player on the planet in college football when he won that Heisman Trophy. You, you you can't dispute that. That's indisputable. It's just there were rules and regulations that led up to him ultimately right. losing and it five years later. And it's and like you said, you brought up the Manziel thing, and right here, O.J. Simpson went to prison. He still has his Heisman. Look, like, it's just unfortunate when you got when you got caught, when you did, and why you had to give it back, and and why everything's asterisked, like you were saying. It's it's just unfortunate, especially now when you're watching college football today and every player that's up for the Heisman basically is a Reggie Bush now. They're all profiting and getting paid to go. We see what the transfer portal looks like now. All right, which one of these schools is going to give me the most money, and that's where I'm going to go. Well, see, Nick, here's the – let's say the NCAA says – he wins this lawsuit and says, and it says that Reggie Bush did not engage in pay-to-play. Okay, that's great. 
all right, during your time at USC. But does that ultimately get you back your Heisman? Because you still have to account for the fact that you have travel expenses, cash, and a rent-free home. What does that th that what does that have to do with your records? How does that help your case in reestablishing yourself to get the Heisman Trophy back? I, I think that those things he's never disputed, he's never argued with. I mean, it was proven that right. that's what he did, and that it was an agent, not necessarily a booster from USC, but it was an agent that he took it from. And I think because they were able to prove that, me personally. I probably would not have wanted to give it back. A judge would have had to order me to give it back because that's the only way you want it back that bad. Go ahead and le legally take it from me. User in the app, I think he sums it up pretty well. He got the trophy taken away, and USC had to vacate the wins and their championship because he was deemed ineligible due to the current rules of the NCAA at the time that were broken. So technically, he was ineligible to win the trophy because he was technically ineligible to play. You vacate a national championship as a team again. That's so much. You're, you're giving away the biggest team accomplishment there and the go. biggest single-player accomplishment all because of this. It, and, it, and USC had to disassociate themselves with him that's right. up until 2020. USC and Reggie Bush, there was no harmony there. So now that 2020 has come and gone, here it is, 2023, Reggie Bush decides – to stand up a very intriguing and interesting topic Where, where's to the untold with. reggie bush documentary huh when's that yeah, one coming out that, that's a great untold one too and I, I know that there's footage out there that ultimately can can show that but the untold footage on the florida gators resurfaced yesterday on netflix's documentary we'll go in to talk about whether you liked it whether you didn't like it whether it was sugar-coated or whether it brought the meat and potatoes of Urban Meyer's tenure as the head coach of the Florida Gators. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, join you on this scorching hot Wednesday afternoon. And, of course, with it being Wednesday, Nick Wiggins, one day away from high school football starting up here along the Gulf Coast in Mobile and Baldwin counties. And, of course, at 3.30, we'll talk to WKRG Sports Director Simone Eli about their fifth quarter show that's going to be on WKRG at night times on Friday nights. But last night, I had a chance to really listen to and watch the untold story on the Florida Gators and Urban Meyer's tenure there. And I, I was a little disappointed in watching how sugar-coated the documentary really was because they didn't dig into the meat and potatoes of all the potential problems. Yeah, they kind of glazed over the fact that there was some arrest issues and they had a fixer and the game uh, or, or a fixer that would take care of their legal issues. And you got a chance to hear from Tim Tebow a lot and from Urban Meyer a lot. But I thought that, you know, going back and looking at the span of 
the two national championships that Tim Tebow was able to collect for the Florida Gators. First and foremost, boy, oh boy, oh boy, were the Auburn Tigers a serious problem for the Florida Gators and keeping them from not only being undefeated, but just Auburn really handling the Florida Gators in a way that I know Auburn fans definitely have not forgotten, but a lot of Florida Gator fans would love to forget. Yeah, I mean, look, the the main criticism of the documentary was it was a little bit of a Disney-fication of what happened during that time period. I don't know if you knew this or our listeners knew this, but Urban Meyer actually had final call on the edit. So the same way that Michael Jordan had that final call on the edit of The Last Dance, and we all know how great that made Michael Jordan look. And look, I get that he's great, but everyone's got their own controversies and stuff in a time period. And, you know, we really glazed over certain things. And just a, you're really glazing over a lot of the stuff here with the Urban Meyer. And, I mean, look, is this to try and have Urban Meyer look good and get back on TV, get back on the sideline? I don't know, but you're definitely losing a little bit of information having him have that final say on what goes out. Disappointed, man. I, I know that you, you know, Cam Newton – had his problems while he was at Florida. Aaron Hernandez definitely had his problems while he was at Florida. There were some great points to the documentary, but as a whole, I, I just I, I I thought that okay, when you combine the four episodes and you see three and a half hours, one of the biggest things if you're an Alabama fan is what would it have been like if Tim Tebow decides to come to Alabama and yeah. play for Coach Shula. Does that change the the dynamics of where the University of Alabama goes? But, you know, the, the, the swag that the Florida Gators did have, at the end of the day, they were dominant football team. One, my, my favorite team to watch. I love Tim Tebow, man. I love that Florida Gators team. I loved Percy Harvin. I, I, those are just some fun teams to watch, man. Yes, I, I think that when you do look at the cast of characters that were involved in that and and still being able to, to, to defeat the Alabama Crimson Tide without one Percy Harvin, I just like the fact that you do have great Southeastern Conference football, one versus two, Florida versus Alabama in back-to-back -back years with the roles reversed. One year, the first year, Alabama comes in one, Florida comes in two, and then a year later, you reverse those roles. But I also I, I, I chuckled at the fact that they did have to wait 365 to get a hold of those Georgia Bulldogs again because I had forgotten the fact that Georgia's entire team had run out on the field there in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and jumped on the was jumping in the end zone there and, and really took it to the 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 Florida Gators winning by 12 points in that year and having to wait a whole nother year for that revenge factor the ultimate right. disrespect the wanting to beat Tennessee and trying to get over that Tennessee hump because you 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 look at if you're Florida when you come and open up against Tennessee early that was critical. And you know back then, Nick, there was no way you were going to lose two games 
in the SEC and still have a chance to play for a national championship. It just wasn't going to happen. No, no, that's right. That was before the playoffs. So, you know, you got to be in that top two. Timothy in the app, you know, talking about Tebow. You know, if Tebow went to Bama, Shula would have kept his job, and then Nick Saban maybe doesn't come to town. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're really talking about hypotheticals there. Where would we be now if that Alabama dynasty, or I'll say the Nick Saban dynasty, wasn't ever established? Would there be some type of different version of the dynasty if it would have been Tebow and Shula together? I don't know. Well, it's always great to talk about, and we'll continue to talk about as the day and the show develops here a little later on. Don't forget, coming up next, Simone Eli, sports director at WKRG, joins us to talk about their new show, their new set design that's coming into this Friday night's football action as well. Simone Eli joins us next here on The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you this Wednesday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for joining us this afternoon. Of course, if you have not downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, make sure you download that to any Apple or Android device that you may have. That's a free downloadable app to where you can correspond with us on the app. Of course, you can call us out. You can correct us. You can join in on the conversation, not only here on the final drive, but the opening kickoff. And as high school football rolls around, you can keep us updated on where you are with the scores. And, of course, we always stay updated with WKRG Sports Director Simone Eli joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Simone, how's it going, my friend? Corey, things are going well, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And just so you know, I'm actually here right now to uh, to correct you, like you just mentioned. So, I mean, bring on some things, and I'll be glad to, to correct you and call you out like you just said everyone's allowed to do. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Absolutely love being corrected. And we want to make sure so that we have a, a, a great connection with you and, and <laughs> everyone's able to hear you as well. So I, I will ask you this, Simone, when we start looking uh-huh. at toe to leather tomorrow night as high school football kicks off, in the offseason, there's been a lot of moves. There's, of course, uh-huh. been heat-related situations for all teams across the entire country that are participating in football. Uh-huh. But here locally, Mobile, Baldwin County, whether it's the verbal commits or whether it's the transfers or what have you, <laughs> what is the biggest storylines for you coming in to this high school football season? Well, I think there's a lot of storylines. First of all, it's crazy that's already here. You know, I think there's parts of the summer where it really feels like we're dragging on getting to the season and, and everyone kind of gets into a rush. They're like, oh my gosh, okay, it's like it's 24 hours away, obviously, with Thursday Night Lights. But I think, once again, like you said, one of the biggest storylines that, that we've been following this entire offseason, really statewide, but definitely down here on the Gulf Coast, is the, the transfer portal, so to speak. And the HSAA, they don't like me using that term, but that's, listen, that's what has the trickle down effect from college it's, it's transfer portal mentality of hey go where i want to go um have a better opportunity and you know go go be where i want to listen i'm not telling i'm going to say that you all, everyone's entitled to being and playing where they want to play okay 
for me, being a former student at the college level, of pride and a sense of loyalty in playing for the place that I just grew up in, where it was a feeder school that I grew up in, playing for the name on the front of my jersey, not the one on the back. And times have changed, but there was just a sense of loyalty for me when it came to the person next to me and then grinding it out with them and trying to build something special with them. And so I have been um, a little surprised to see that it seems like things have kind of fallen off the rails a little bit in terms of guys moving all over the place. And I don't need to sit here and list the guys that we've seen down here, but that is definitely a storyline is how would that impact the team that they that guys have moved to? How will that impact the team that they're leaving? Because I think we need to think about the full impact here and not better themselves and, and all that, but I also think that, hey, this is high school football, and, and recruiting at the college level it is what it is, and you're going to get found, you're going to get recruited, you're going to get offers, regardless of where you are, if you are a good enough player and you earn those things. And that's just the mentality that I have. You know, kids get advice, families get different advice, um, but I also think that there's some coaches out there that are giving some advice, probably bending some rules, quite frankly. So, I mean, that is certainly a, a storyline. It's something to keep an eye on. It is a big story as well, which I haven't seen any time changes down here. Everyone's just used to dealing with the brutalness of the heat. If they've been practicing it, why not go ahead and just stand it? I think that's the mentality. I talked to Terry Curtis and Steve Mask about that week and so you know i think we're just rolling on those are certainly the big storylines you know i think part of another thing we're wondering is okay how good we know certain land's going to be good are they going to be as done as they were a year ago they are going to be even better so they're going to be a fun team to watch what will look like between them and the academy uh, on friday night and so and then who else is going to step up i think there's a few teams that maybe have been underperforming lately that I think can really, really be impressive teams on high school for one. I think that Ray Nelson's doing basically there. So I'm, I'm interested to see which programs come out and surprise us early on in the season. Simone, we're going to call you right back. We have a bad connection. Our, our listeners saying on our app that they can't hear you that well so we're going to call you right back here and get right back with you but that's Simone Eli talking with us here this afternoon as she mentioned her biggest probably point of interest has been with the transfer portal in high school and and young men decided not to play where they grew up or, or where their grandparents or their great-grandparents in the sense of community and pride has definitely changed over the years and I think will continue to see it changed and she mentioned the fact that Sarah Land playing on national television on Friday night against Lipscomb looking forward to seeing that matchup to see how things go ahead and unwind and you have the Viger and Blunt matchup which is always one of the premier matchups in the entire state of Alabama all time and Simone you were talking about the Maddie T. Blunt and Ray Nelson taking over uh -huh. for Maddie T. Blunt and the excitement that surrounds the Viger Blunt matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think that there was also a little bit of controversy surrounding the game because it's being played at Ladd Stadium, which I wholeheartedly thought was ridiculous. But, I mean, I know there's a lot of logistical things and why that's going to be what it is. But I just, I think that, okay, if the game was played at Viger, their brand-new stadium, their home opener of the season, you know, the city of Pritchard finally has their own place for Viger alone. I mean, just think about what that place would be like. And I get that it's maybe not as big as, as other stadiums. And, you know, it may not be able to hold everybody. Maybe you don't make as much money 
money, but for me, it's more like just the atmosphere. Like, this is your home turf, and obviously the school officials did not have a lot of say in that, and, you know, I get I get all the things that came with it. It's just an unfortunate reality of a lot of different circumstances. But when you think about the game, you know, it's, it's a great matchup, and these are two teams that are really loaded with talent and two teams that have coaches um, that have that young fire about them that I think have all they've seen buy-in in both of these programs. Biger has some really, really talented guys, and I also think that they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder knowing that, hey, we came off a state title season, and then we fell flat last year. You know, how can we bounce back from that? And Marcus Cook is a guy who you know, has a lot of pride in that program. He played there. I think he's doing big things in that role. I really enjoyed talking to him this offseason. So I look forward to seeing what that looks like. And when we talk about Blunt, um, this is a program that has a lot of pride, a program that has won at the highest level um, in, the, in the history of this program. And so I think Ray Nelson is a fantastic coach. I actually know that a lot of other coaches in the business uh, think very highly of him they wish they could have gotten him on their staff as an assistant but of course if he was going to get an opportunity after he left Theodore to go be a head coach this is a great opportunity there at Blunt a school that yes they're in a tough uh, 6A region one but I just think that we are going to see a different Blunt team Ray Nelson has been saying all offseason rebrand Blunt and um, I really love that I think that he's just really taken upon himself to, to build something special again there and take a lot of pride in the program so I look forward to that game on Saturday. Simone, earlier you mentioned the quote-unquote transfer portal of high school football. (laughs) So you got Sterling going out to Spanish Fort. You've got Mm -hmm. the the names. I'm losing the name, but the guy from Mississippi, the wide receiver, coming out and also joining Mm -hmm. Mr. Football, Ryan Williams. What do you think about those big moves for those teams? And, you know, can Sarah Land repeat? And what does that mean for Spanish Fort? Well, I think Spanish Fort is going to be an impressive team. I think they have the the players in place, but – at the end of the day, Sterling still has to go in there and learn the system and learn, uh, you know, what the, that team camaraderie feels like and, and gain the trust of his teammates. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He's just got to go in there very late in the year and, and, and figure out where he fits in. Obviously, he, all the talent is there, but if I just came on y'all's radio show today, you just threw me in there today, I mean, I would have to get a feel for where I fit in with the two of y'all. Okay, well, he has to do that, too. It's not just a matter of, hey, go line up here and, you know, uh, you know, keep – this is the guy you're going you're gonna to watch offensively. Like, there, there's more to it than that. And I, I mean, we spoke to Chase Smith ahead of the preseason game that they had last week at St. Michael, and he said that. He was very straightforward, like, listen, um, you know, Sterling's come in. He has a great family. He's done a, he's done a great job. But this is a transition for him. He not only on the field but off the field. He alluded to just transitioning to living in a new community. So you have to imagine a guy who's used to, um, you know, Mobile Christian and Spanish Four just two different types of schools, two different sizes of schools, two different types of football. And, you know, we will see what that looks like for him. I certainly wish the best for ever him and every other local student athlete that we have. Um, but we'll see if, if, it, if it pays off in the way that, that um, he's hoping and wants to see, you know, I think his dad has mentioned, you know, wanting to create more value for himself. You know, I think everyone has their own motivations, and that's fine. But certainly wishing the best for him. We'll see how it impacts Spanish Fort as a whole. I think they had a lot of guys coming back um, talent-wise on defense for sure. Maybe some question marks. And, I mean, I didn't really watch a lot of the St. Michael game. I think it was closer than maybe what I expected it to be. But who knows? What does that look like on legit Friday nights? We'll see soon enough. But that's a very tough region to play in. And when it comes to the Sarah Land transfer, I mean, that's <laughs> Sarah Land is in a way – it's recruiting itself. The success that, that the Spartans have, guys want to go and play there, especially when you have a, a Division One quarterback who can throw the heck out of the ball, and then you're going to learn from 
virtually one of the greatest wide receivers in the country and potentially like a, you know, an all pro guy some year. I mean, Ryan Williams is just unbelievable athletically and, and he's so smart and he's so good at what he does. And so, yeah, I mean, does it, does it surprise me? Nothing surprises me at this point. I think all it can do is make them better. Now there's only so many plays in a game. So there's only, only so many balls to go around and so many passes to pick up, but you know, we'll see what it looks like. I certainly don't think it's going to hurt uh, Sarah land at all for them to pick up the number one wide receiver out of the state of Mississippi. But you know, that's not the only transfer that we've seen. You know, we've seen guys from the Birmingham Metro, you know, come down to Gulf Shores. We've seen local guys over in Baldwin kind of, you know, skip around and stuff too. So we will see what that all looks like. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's interesting how much a a few key roles can transform a program in just a matter of a one year or two years. And um, I don't know. It, it's not something that I love, not only as a coach's wife, but as a former student athlete, even as a broadcaster. I just, but it's the way of the world, man. And it's just it's kind of where we're at right now. Week zero, our non-region matchups, of course, and then we jump right mm -hmm. into our great region matchups next week. And it's sometimes when you lose that region game early, Simone, it can dictate what mm -hmm. happens in week 10 as far as yep. coaches understanding the importance of, of the week-by-week -week mentality and the greatest improvement for a team is usually seen in between technically week zero and week one yeah. here, or let, yeah. let's just say week one to week two for, for yeah. the people that understand week zero. But with that sure. being said, I, I know that because there is week zero of high school football, WKRG mm -hmm. is rolling out the green carpet. The, the yeah, You're going deep here for high school football. When you tune in, want to see all those great highlights. If you're in the car, of course, you're listening to Pigskin Pete, but if you're get out of the mm -hmm. car and you're actually in front of the television wanting to see the compilation of highlights. Tell us a little bit about the fifth quarter show. Yeah, guys, we're super excited. This is, uh, first of all, WKRG for several years under Randy Patrick and other people have been a part of his staff, have done a tremendous job at high school football coverage and highlights, and I was so proud to be a part of that the last two seasons and kind of collaborate with him. Obviously, ever since the transition early in the year, I wanted to have bring new ideas and bring fresh life into what our show and what our coverage could look like. And so we are rebranding the entire show. Uh, it's now called fifth quarter. We're super excited about that. It's the same, same similar mentality to our Sunday show, which is overtime. So, you know, we are giving fans, something additional you know they see four quarters on the field maybe some extra stuff when they're out there at the game well tune into us for the fifth quarter we've got your recap we've got your reaction we have the look ahead for our local program so that's really the mentality is to be to cover everyone that we can from the gulf coast uh, at every single level 7a down to 1a um and, and have it be as comprehensive and as impressive as it can be and we have a fantastic team obviously i'm the sports director but we brought in unbelievable talent gerhard mathangani he's a guy who has been around the state for a long time. He knows just as much about high school football as anybody on this call right now in this state specifically. And so he's already built great relationships throughout this offseason when we did 33 teams in 33 days for our spring football special. So we are super pumped up about that. We have great staff out there at the games, photographers. We're working their butts off to get highlights back, get scripts in, get scores in. And so it's a lot of chaos. It's a little bit of controlled chaos that takes place on Friday nights like it is for everybody else. But we're really proud of what we're going to roll out at 10 o'clock on Friday and we hope that everyone's tuning in. If you're not home, be sure to set your DVR and, uh, and, and check out what we got. Absolutely. Simone, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on The Final Drive and look forward to, to chime
chiming in with you here as the season continues to unfold as you continue to bring us the great local coverage of things that are going on here along the Gulf Coast. And Simone, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage that you have going on at WKRG? Oh uh, yeah, guys. Uh, it's Simone Eli is uh, on Facebook, and then uh, at Simone Eli underscore TV is on Twitter. So be sure to give us a shout. And Corey, Nick, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Uh, try to stay cool in this 105 degree record heat that we saw today. <laughs> Unbelievable, Simone. Unbelievable. Yeah. But I, I tell you what, you know, all everyone's a trooper. Whether it's the cheerleaders, whether it's the band members, whether it's the parents, whether it's the actual yeah. participants. Can you imagine carrying a tuba and wearing no. those big tall hats <laughs> in this heat? Man? No, no, man. No. You know what? Credit to those folks too, because they're <laughs> out there killing it every single Friday, man. And yes. I'm like. You know what? You good on you, bro. Cause I could not have done that. No, sure. no. I, I look. I, I enjoy watching it and calling it for sure. And I have mad respect for those cheerleaders and band members, and even the parents that come out to endure all of the heat as well. But it's here, Simone. Looking forward to catching up with wait. you again very soon. And stay cool yourself. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Simone Eli joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Wrapping up our number one. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive with myself, Nick Wiggins, my main man, Corey LeBounty. And look, we got a great interview coming up for you right here. Now, look, did, did this all happen a little before my time? <laughs> yes. But I'm conscious enough to recognize greatness, you know, when it's put in front of me. And we got one of the best, one of the greatest to come out of Alabama and one of the greatest plays in Alabama Crimson Tide history. We're talking about George Teague, right? The strip. Dude was gone for a touchdown, that Miami wide receiver. He was gone. Dude did not give up on the play, man. And that, you know, ultimately led to, ultimately led to them securing that national championship. Well, I know yesterday we had Haley Sutton on, who covers the Dallas Cowboys, and George Teague, also an NFL Analyst CBS Sports 11, of course, in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, does a tremendous job of not only continuing the Alabama tradition, but supporting the Crimson Tide. And, you know, that play is iconic and historic. And when you talk to so many great former Alabama players that are still here along the Gulf Coast, whether it be Roosevelt Patterson or or you look at Sherman Williams talking about the the brotherhood that George Teague and Antonio Langham and that entire defense had. One of the most iconic plays in college football history on the biggest stage that you'll ever find made by George Teague. You definitely don't want to miss the interview coming up with George Teague here next on the final drive. That's right, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be some great stuff. We'll have to get his perspective on that play. So everyone who's listening and, you know, we're all watching it, I guess, on those big boxy butt TVs back in the day. Real grainy, right? But we're going to see what it was like for him when he was on the field. So it's going to be some exciting stuff. Look, guys, you're not going to want to miss it. You know, here, here at WNSP, we're always bringing you 
the best of the best. We had Bradley Bozeman first time on WNSP. Now here we are with George. We'll probably talk a little NFL. Yes, we talked Dallas Cowboys yesterday. But hey, they're America's team, right? You either love them or you hate or you hate them. So you can listen as a fan and be excited. You can hate listen and say, "Oh man, George, what happened?" You were my favorite in the 90s. Now here you are drinking the Dak Prescott Kool-Aid. What do you think he thinks about uh, this quarterback battle here in Alabama? Do you think he shares my sentiments of the dynasty setting? Probably not. But we're going to get to it right here after this break. George Teague, former Alabama Crimson Tide, former Dallas Cowboy, coming up right here on the final drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. away, penalty flag down, Lamar Thomas has got it, Lamar Thomas is on his way down the sideline, George Teague is after him and runs him down, takes the ball, takes the ball away from him, Teague's got the ball, and they tackle Teague back at the 12. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And if you're a college football fan, you don't have to be just a diehard Alabama fan to know that Keith Jackson was talking about George Teague making one of the most historic plays in the University of Alabama's football lore right there. George Teague joining us this afternoon on the final drive. George, how's everything going, my friend? Man, shoot, I am so happy to be with you guys and sitting inside because it's hot outside, brother. <laughs> uh, but, man, it's really great to be able to come on and be able to talk some football with you guys. Absolutely. We're, we're thrilled to, for you to be on the final drive with us. And, George, I will say this. One of your former teammates here, and you've got a few here in Mobile, Alabama, that used to play with you on that 92 national championship team, Roosevelt Patterson, first and foremost, Big Rosie told me to tell you hello. And, hey, look, there's an infamous meeting that Jim, G, uh, Gene Stallings had that where there was some other guy from Mobile, Alabama, Willie Gaston, sitting down there in the front row. And Coach Stallings said, son, are you asleep in my meeting? He said, nah, Coach, it just got a long wink, a long blink there. Do you, he said, do you remember that story? Absolutely, I remember that. And uh, I'm glad that Roosevelt was uh, – you know, still doing well. Uh, he was one of the funniest dudes on the team, man. Uh, you know, he was a big force, big reason why we were able to win a lot of games to win a national championship. Uh, but I do remember that uh, Coach Stallings and Bill Oliver had their own way of, uh, I don't know, motivating us, <laughs> you know, to be our best both on and off the field. Well, I will say this. You, you are an elite 
All-American player at Alabama, and then you go on into the NFL and have tremendous success. And, of course, as we're getting ready to start the college football season along with the NFL season, protecting that star is so very important. I, 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 you're just going to be infamous not only for what you were able to accomplish in a national championship game, but how you were able to go ahead and protect that star and knock the hell out of Terrell Owens, something that a lot of people have not been able to do or wish they could do to this day, but hitting a future NFL Hall of Famer right there at midfield on the star, I, I know that's something that those are two moments from the strip and to the hit that you'll always remember in your lifetime. That will, and I, I'm proud to, to have both of those non-plays, if you want to look at it that way, uh, you know, <laughs> because of the penalty in the next championship, but hitting Terrell Owens. And it, it's kind of cool, you know, knowing that uh, I'm not in the professional Hall of Fame. Don't anticipate being there either. But I feel like I'm in there because of my closeness to Terrell Owens and <laughs> that I'm riding his coattail right on in there just because of our history that's always going to be together. He can't shake me. He can't shake me. I know he's one of our Alabama boys um, and things of that nature. Alabama is in the state of Alabama. Um, but, you know, those are great times. we got to be able to defend our home. It's what Alabama's going to do. The same thing. There's certain things you can't do it and you can't take, man, in games. And you can't go dancing on people's logos. That's just the way it is. I would hope that as this continues to happen to the NFL, that people continue to make the stance and say, don't, don't do that in our house. So, so George, you're, you're currently an NFL analyst for CBS 11 in Dallas. When Terrell Owens ended up coming and playing for the Dallas Cowboys. How did that kind of make you feel? Was there any love lost or uh, we're all here and we're big happy family now? No, I think the best thing was that um, when he did come, I was on my way out. So we didn't actually have to be in the locker room together. Um, but I think uh, as a fan of the team too, uh, that is a little disrespectful. I understand the business side of things and you got to get the best players to win, but you know, he had some other baggage <laughs> that was evident at the time that I don't think we needed um, on our team. Uh, and the, the one piece I can give you guys that really set our tempo was I actually wanted to be cool with him. Um, so when he did come to the Cowboys, um, I was on the sideline before one of the games, and I wanted to go shake his hand because we hadn't talked. And do you know this dude wouldn't shake my hand, man? Wouldn't even look me in the face, bro. Um, so – uh, that was kind of, you know, how our relationship started and it's kind of where it still is. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, that speaks volumes right there. So, I, you know, for speaking on your behalf, I, I, I am glad you were able to get that lick at the logo because, again, <laughs> you don't want to look me eye to eye. At least you're going to catch this forearm shiver in the middle of the field. But there are so many plays that go on within a football game, whether it's high school or collegiately or on the pro level, that probably meant so much to you. And, of course, the biggest play, it's right here in our office here at WNSP, your strip there of Lamar Thomas. D do you ever get an opportunity to, to, to really – absorb and to let that soak in when you start looking at 30 years down the line I know those reunions are always sweet and I've seen you at Alabama games whether it's on the road or at home I know you try to catch as many Crimson Tide games as possible but 
if you had to pick that one football moment that defines George Teague, what is that going to be? Uh, well, this may surprise you, and I think it surprises people when I say it all the time, because in that game I actually had two very big plays. Uh, one was stripping the ball from Lamar, but the other one was intercepting the ball and taking it in for a touchdown. So when I actually think of it, I go with the interception, man. That's like a dream come true for a defensive back to get into the end zone. <laughs> you know, all national television. And just the way it all lined up, most people don't even know the backstory behind it. We weren't lined up right. I was on the wrong guy. You know, um, all this kind of stuff. And so I think it was just meant to be for me to be there to be able to make that play and then to get it to the end zone. Um, that That one is what I probably watch more because you just get to see character. You get get to see the other stuff, high-stopping, throwing the ball, carrying the ball one hand. These are things you practice on that just happen, you know. Um, so although the whole game was great and fabulous, for me it's that touchdown um, going into that game where I say that's George Teague. That, that's the guy that wanted to be a corner and a safety, wanted to be good at everything, who wanted to play press man. Um, yeah, wanted to chase down guys, cause fumbles and all that kind of stuff. But being, being getting up in the slot and, and playing man-to-man from a safety position was, you know, it, it just, it's a proud moment for me. George, you're one of the most elite defensive backs in Alabama Crimson Tide history. And there's a, another uh, former Alabama Crimson Tide defensive back in Trayvon Diggs who also ended up going to the Cowboys. And then you've got another elite defensive back currently on that Alabama roster in Kool-Aid McKinstry. And I'll ask you, what's your opinion on both those players? And if you can, can you rank those three? You, yourself, Trayvon, and Kool-Aid. Okay. I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> uh, well, first let me talk about Trayvon. I think he is, uh, and I get to watch a lot of him, um, as you, as you as mentioned uh, before the show, you know, being an analyst, watching the film, doing that kind of stuff, and I see so many flashing moments, uh, great moments of Trayvon Diggs, just his closing speed, his ability to play the ball um, and things. So he is definitely an elite, I mean, obviously, right, uh, to be in the NFL, but even at this level now, not very many weaknesses. I think once he gets past the gamble factor, and um, really starts to get to the part where it's, uh, I'm going to say, a little more calculated tendency, this kind of stuff, and using maybe a little bit more technique. I think he could be one of the best ever um, to play the game if he if he does that. Um, Kool-Aid, um, same type of guy, I think. Um, I think technically he is going to be so much better uh, because I just saw the way he played press, you know, um, where I thought there could be some things that are better there. But this guy is, you know, when you can return the ball, uh, when you can play the ball, um, you, you you just put yourself in a whole new stratosphere. And that's why he's going to be an All-American. You know, he's going to be a high draft pick and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's still a little small little glimmer of greatness that he hasn't even reached yet. Um just from youth. Um, so to rank them. Um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, in third place, uh, 
to go with uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, as the number three defensive back. Uh, of the three names that you've given me, at least you didn't ask me to do the um, start, cut, bench thing. Oh, that yeah, would have been kind of hard to do. Next time, next time. Yep, and then the number two would be George Teague, actually. Um, I think that my deficiency at the time, even at some of the peak um, pieces, was I, I, I would not put myself in one because I, I probably didn't play the ball as well as I should a lot of the times when it was in the air. I did struggle sometimes maybe judging the ball, and I'm going to blame that on because I didn't know I had bad eyesight and I didn't have contacts. So uh, <laughs> the ball flooded a lot, and I, I dropped probably way too many interceptions, um, particularly coming out of um, Alabama and even the first part of the league. Um, and so that would put Trayvon as my number one guy just because I think his, his ball skills are um, crazy, ridiculous, just the way he can jump and do things. that it just He's a freak athlete um, and is, still has a whole lot of upside. You know, if you're having – I don't know when we had 11. I don't even remember how many interceptions he had that one year um, up here with the Cowboys, but it's crazy. And he could have had more. So um, that's it, man. Diggs one, Teague two, McKinstry three. Can't go wrong with that, George that's Teague. A scary, that's that, a, that'd be a scary secondary. It, it, it definitely <laughs> is scary when you, when you start looking at it. All very productive. And George Teague currently being very productive. Friday night lights. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Well, of course it is when you're building multi-million dollar high school football facilities. But I know you being the athletic director at John Paul II High School in Plano, Texas, you get the chance to see your fair share of Friday night lights. Talk to us about here as we are getting ready to kick off football along the Gulf Coast in Mobile and Baldwin counties on tomorrow night throughout the next 15 or 16 weeks. What it's like, what Friday night lights still mean to you as you're standing on the sidelines as an athletic director? Well, um, well, let me say this first. Y'all going to have to make sure y'all text me after the show because I need to know how y'all ranked everybody as well to see where you put me at. That was going to be interesting because I don't want y'all talking about me behind my back when I ain't on the show or whatever. I need to know what's going on. Okay. Uh, but from the uh, high school standpoint, let me put it this way. Um, one of the games that I remember as a player was when we went down to your neck of the woods and we actually had to play a high school called Viger. Um <laughs> uh, which was, uh, and I'm talking about when I was at Jeff Davis High School in Montgomery. Sure. Um, and, and so uh, it, these moments that kids have with high school football are, are very impactful in a lot of ways. Alabama has great football. Texas has great football. Um, we do it different out here in Texas. I mean, you, I don't know if you guys have been seeing the news. They just built this new $35 million stadium yeah. up, up the road from us. Allen High School, where Kyler Murray and all those people came from, they spent $100 million, $100 million on their stadium. Um, uh, every time someone comes in to Texas and say, hey, you know, there's a few things you got to go see where JFK got shot. Um, you know, you got to go to Stockyards, but you also need to go see this um, – uh, Allen Stadium, because no one believes it. And when they drive by it, they go, that's a high school stadium? That's not like, you know, a college? No, that is a high school stadium. Bigger than Crampton Bowl, any of the other big uh, 
I forget the name of the field down there where they play the Senior Bowl down Land at um, Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is it's it's just it's unbelievable when you see the average stadium, you know, that you go you just can't believe it. So, um the it's pretty cool for it to be able to start up right now um, and get back into it because it's exciting times. You get to see uh, emotions and the grit and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the um, excitement um, that I absolutely love it being an athletic director here at JP2 uh, because there's, it brings your whole community together. Everybody's together. The band, the dance team, the cheerleaders, the spirit boys, the whatever spirit groups you got, all this stuff. And there's nothing like football to pull the whole school together. I agree with you there. George, can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time here with us on WNSP 105.5. And I know you have the YouTube at Teague's Take and so many other great things that are going on for yourself. How can people reach out and follow all of your great coverage of not only the Dallas Cowboys breaking down the Alabama Crimson Tide? And, oh, by the way, if you're not busy on Friday night, and you're in that lazy boy, and you get an opportunity to tune in to ESPN, make sure you you look at Sarah Land High School taking on Lipscomb of Tennessee. Of course, Sarah Land being right here in the Mobile area. Ryan Hollywood Williams, a wide receiver, has verbally committed to the University of Alabama. He's Mr. Football in the state of Alabama as a sophomore. Tune in to that on Friday night or set your DVR, and we want everyone to set their tuning in to – Teague's take as well. How can people follow you? Yeah, man, I love what you said. Thank you. And, I, you know, people can go to YouTube. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button uh, at Teague's take. Uh, we do uh, a weekly show uh, with my son. It's kind of cool to be able to talk with my son about Alabama football um, and college football um, and things of that nature. Actually, going to be talking about the SEC Texas and OU coming into the SEC um, tonight, 8.15 p.m. is when we, we do record it live. Um, so you can do that. People that are on social media, man, if you want to communicate with me, I'm active with it. Just hit me up at Teague Football, Teague Football on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I like to post about a lot of different stuff uh, on there. So my DMs are always open, too. If you need something, want something, reach out to me. Hit me there and uh, – you know, we can start a, a good, fun relationship. GeorgeTeague.com or at Teague's Take on X, formerly known as Twitter, folks. So you don't want to miss that opportunity to engage with one of the Alabama Sports Hall of Famers here. And, of course, one of the Crimson Tide All-American legends, George Teague, joining us this afternoon here on The Final Drive. George, can't thank you enough. Look forward to catching up with you again really soon, talking more about not only the Crimson Tide, the Dallas Cowboys, and your football stories. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for the opportunity, man. Talk to you guys soon. Amen. Thanks. George Teague joining us this afternoon. And again, right here in our office is so many portraits across the country. If you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, Daniel Moore's portraits have George Teague stripping that football away and what a historic and iconic moment. That was was a great interview right there with George. But what Nick, what struck me is the fact that he said that's not even his fondest memory yeah. of that game himself. <laughs> right. And I would have never guessed that, but to hear it out of the horse's mouth, 
and the fact that he got a chance to knock the hell out of Terrell Owens. That was that was funny. The handshake story was funny. I like that he ranked the three. I was like, oh, he ain't going to do this. It. But he did. Yeah, he and did. And Humble said, I'll be number two. I'm number two. And we'll have to shoot him our rankings as <laughs> That's well. That's right. That's the right. final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty and Nick Wiggins returns. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Going back to the final drive. And man, what a. You don't get interviews like that very often where they're that candid, will give all these behind the scenes stories. I mean, that was some good stuff. Corey, I'm curious. We got to give him our rankings of those three corners. What are you? What are you gonna? What are you gonna say to him? Are you gonna put him number one just because like, oh, you were here with us? Thanks. Uh, are, are we talking about his college career, or are we talking overall as that, a corner? I'm gonna say I'm during your college career because Kool Aid has not played an NFL down. Sure. Therefore, you have to rank him number one because of the iconic plays that he's made. I, and honestly, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Honestly, I mean, you, you, there's no, you can't make any beans about it. You you definitely have to go with him one, and then you go to me as far as an impact corner. I'm going to go with McKinstry, too, coming in as a true freshman, being yep. put in some awkward situations. And here it is, folks. You, you, don't, you don't need to forget about Kool-Aid McKinstry as a true freshman going back and looking – at that 2021 Iron Bowl that was a historic four-overtime thriller, he knocks away that pass in the end zone for Auburn's two-point conversion as a true freshman toward the end of the year. Of course, toward that part of the year, you're no longer considered a freshman because of how many games and how much experience you've had throughout the year. But I'm going to go with Diggs at three there. Um, as far as ranking those three corners. Now, you know, and that's not, you know, doing a disservice to George Teague at all. Uh, and, and and just because he was our guest. But as far as now, this time next year, if Kool-Aid McKinstry is ultimately able to go ahead and have a much more productive year here at the position rather than what he had last year, and win a national championship behind it, my, my opinion may sway a little bit there. But George Teague, as far as those three, yes, number one for sure. All right. Look, I'm not going to argue with it. But we we got to give him. He, he requested it. So we'll we give it to him. It. And, and, and I, we'll put the reasons behind it as That's well. That's right, because I don't want him to think I'm just sure. kissing his ass. No, we'll, 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 put that, <laughs> we'll put that down as to the reasons why. For certain. Yeah. And again, one, an elite corner in the NFL currently. One had some great highlights. And again, you can shun George Teague from the NFL Hall of Fame. Maybe not on that level there, but he's definitely in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. And we all know why. Well deservingly by George Teague. Coming up next, we'll have Jim Nagy. Their Senior Bowl watch list was dropped today. A lot of local flavor on that list. We'll talk to Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, coming up next. 
My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this scorching hot Wednesday afternoon. Hope everyone is staying cool and hydrated. And of course, nothing's hotter than the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list that dropped this morning by Jim Nagy and his staff at the Reese's Senior Bowl. And our guest coming up now is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, how's it going this afternoon? Oh, Corey, it's been a really fun day, man. This is uh, a really fun day around the office. And before we get rolling, before I forget, I want to give uh, huge props to our guys, uh, Dave Rogers and Johnny Williams on our creative staff. Sitting in today, watching all these graphics from around the country roll in about the watch list. We were trending worldwide on Twitter today. I think we made it up somewhere to like the 20th overall topic trending on worldwide on Twitter. So for a little all-star game in Mobile, Alabama to be trending worldwide on Twitter, hats off to uh, Dave and Johnny. They do, they do an awesome job. Absolutely. And your your entire staff does a phenomenal job year round. I, I know that as the executive director, you know, when, when things go great, you know, it, it, it's it's OK about how do I surround myself with greatness? And when things go wrong, how do I surround myself with greatness? And of course, with any organization, there are highs and lows that go on. But your staff does a tremendous job keeping this game rooted, keeping this game relevant and hashtag the draft starts here in Mobile. Yeah, we we're we're gonna keep saying that, right? That's what we, uh, we wear we wear that hashtag out on social media. There's no doubt, but no, we we do. We've got a great great team. Um, everyone works really well together. Again, it's a small operation. I think from the outside looking in, maybe not so much people in Mobile, but but like around the country, I think the Senior Bowl scene is this huge thing, right? And when they find out there's only six full time staff members, you know, pulling this thing together. Uh, people can't believe it. So, I mean, yes, we have we have an 11-man scouting staff that is around the country, but it's a small operation, so you have to be able to pull together and uh, and everyone chip in and, and, and pull pull their weight in different areas. And, and our, our guys do that. Our team does that. Everyone does a great job. It's no secret what the Senior Bowl does for these college athletes and their, you know, potential NFL dreams and helping them get there. You've got five South Alabama football players on this senior bowl watch list that's just crazy right it's the draft starts in mobile and they don't even have to go that far to be a part of the game <laughs> well i think that speaks to uh what kane's done there i think kane's really upped the, the talent level in that program over the last couple of years uh just that uh, was up at the scrimmage the other night and he was talking about his running back room and how, how far that running back room is has grown over the years. Um, no, it's a good, it's a good team. Um, uh, there's, there's no mistake that they won 10 games last year. That certainly wasn't a fluke. They've got, I mean, they just look different. You guys have been out there. I mean, that, that team looks different um, when you walk out on a field than they did three years ago. So hats off to Kane and his staff. They do a great job. Maddie is developing those guys in the weight room. Um, those guys deserve it. Those aren't like Homer. Those aren't Homer spots on the, on the watch list. Those guys all deserve that. Well, I know that we were talking to you a week ago about the huge announcement with the partnership with the NFL Players Association and the 75th anniversary of this Senior Bowl. But when you're 
trending on X or Twitter or whatever. It's going to always probably be Twitter to myself, and, and I'll be called to the carpet on that, but that's okay too. But as far as when you look at the growth of the game, the growth of the Senior Bowl game, and the positive foot feedback that you get from the participants once they leave, and I think it's a true testament to how much the game means to the players that have played in it when it's just not talk to say, hey, look, I played in the Senior Bowl. No, the Senior Bowl actually changed my life. That week in Mobile changed my life because what I put on film against opponents versus what I put on film against someone that may be challenging me for that draft pick because again we're talking about millions of dollars from that first round to that second round you have an opportunity to spotlight yourself and to showcase yourself in mobile at the Reese's senior bowl yeah there, there there's no doubt it's the, it's the best of the best and, and that's those guys that those guys battle it out here i mean you and again there's a there's life-changing money that's made in mobile and that's why these guys you know, um, when they leave and, and, and start their NFL journeys, they look back on their time in Mobile with, with a lot of fondness, and that's why it's important for, for us to stay connected to our players. Um, you know, you just look at look at over the last couple of years, just this past year, uh, Darnell Wright was our was our highest drafted player this year, a big tackle out of Tennessee, and uh, you know, before the Senior Bowl, Darnell was projected to be probably a mid-second round pick by most of the teams I talked to. That's that's kind of where we had him too. Um, he has a phenomenal week down here, and he goes through the rest of the draft process and does a nice job. And he's the tenth overall pick to the Chicago Bears. And the difference between you know like the fiftieth pick in the middle of the second round there and the tenth pick is like seventeen million dollars. Like that's life change. Like who makes that? Like who? You know that's 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 a lifetime type of money. Um, so yeah, you, you can see why this game means so much to these guys. And again, we've really worked hard over the last five or six years since we got here of really working at those relationships. That's why the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame weekend that we have in the summer now has become such a big deal because we bring those guys back and just try, just trying to stay connected to our guys. That's why the 75th celebration this year is going to be so much fun. Jim, you guys have done a great job with your research and putting together this extensive list of potential Senior Bowl players. I'm curious, who was one of the guys that you were just like, hey, this guy's got to be here. We cannot not have this guy on our list. Out of the 720 names, that's a good one. I will say, um, you know, our watch list is usually under 500. And and just to, like, a bigger picture look of why this thing is 720 now, it's because of the COVID year. People are scratching their heads like, I thought this was – I think we were 485 last year, so 720 is – is a, is a really bloated number, but it's all these guys are using. They're using that extra COVID year and also the NIL money that's getting these guys to come back to school. So, um, you know, I, I'll say this one guy that uh, I remember scouting is uh, when he was at Daphne High School, the kicker for South Alabama, Diego. What's Diego's last name? You got to help me out with that, Corey. Guardo, Guardo, Guardo. Yes. Okay. I, I, I do not like. I do not like butchering people's names. So um, I, I remember seeing him kick that over the game in Daphne one year. Vaney, we're, right? we, we, go to a high, we go to a high school game every week. And uh, I think that might have been my first year at the Senior Bowl, maybe my second year. And we were at a game over at Daphne, and he hit like a 49-yard field goal. And I texted a couple of buddies that, that work at the college level. I'm like, if you don't have a kicker right now, there's a kid down here at Daphne. So um, it's really cool to, like, fast forward five years, and now he's, now he's on our watch list. That's pretty awesome. 
And, and I like the fact that when you do have local guys, not speaking of South Alabama local, what I mean by like at Auburn, DJ James, a young man who who preps at Spanish Ford and has an opportunity to go to the West Coast and return to Auburn when he's on that watch list because it, again, brings them a sense of accomplishment. Hey, look, I can turn this thing around full circle and really represent for my city in front of my people. I mean, you look at Ja'Korian Bennett or Jalen Tolbert or you can name thousands of guys that have actually been on the Senior Bowl roster from Mobile, Alabama. It, it, again, it just means more when you're able not only to be nominated but actually to get that call knowing that you've produced and have been that special to end your career in front of your hometown people for as a collegiate athlete yeah absolutely i think another one that comes to mind was uh was chris abrams drain at missouri the corner from uh, spanish fort he reminded me, um, you know, we do a thing at the Turkey Bowl every year that, that you're, you're a part of, Corey. We do the, the future prospect team um, for all the guys in the area that are going off to play college football. And uh, he's, he, he was on the first future prospect team, and now he's on the watch list. That's another. I met him up at the SEC Media Days, and he goes, do you remember meeting me? Um, it's, a, it's a Thanksgiving event. I was on that future prospect team. And I said, man, Chris, I forgot about that. Um, so, again, it's all kind of coming full circle. So, like, Chris Abrams trained uh, Cedric Johnson from, I think, Cedric played at, uh, Davidson. at Davidson, the yes, Ole Miss sir. defensive lineman. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got a handful of local guys. You know, we had the four or five guys in the game a couple years ago, uh, local guys, and, and we might have close to that number again this year. Hope so. It's a lot of fun. And, again, if you look at who I'm most impressed with when you look at the roster from the Senior Bowl a year ago, I'm going to say this again till I'm blue in the face. And on my fantasy team, I hope my snake draft goes right because I love Tajay Spears from Tulane. He's just that special. And sitting on the sidelines last year, watching him practice on day-to-day, man, that guy, if you saw him on television, it didn't do him justice. But when you see him out there with the elite of elite, making the moves and earning the type of money that he did, it was special to see. Yeah, you know a guy's really good when he makes other great players look stupid. And Tajay uh, did that uh, a bunch during practice week last year. And why I love Tajay is because, uh, you know, he was going to bail on His agent wanted him to bail and not play in the game. He had a great practice week. He was voted, he was voted by a panel of NFL guys as our practice player of the week. And so his agent thought he'd done enough down here in Mobile and let's pack it in and get out of here healthy. And uh, Tajay said no. He called me Saturday morning. He said, Coach, I'm playing. So uh, so I love him, man. We had him back for the draft party. Love that guy. And uh, he ripped off a long touchdown run the other night against the Vikings. And, uh, yeah, we, we're having our senior bowl office fantasy draft next week. And, and uh, if anyone from the office is listening, they better not draft Tajay Spears because that's, that's my guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, giving us a summary on the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list. It dropped this morning, and, of course, that made the Senior Bowl trend on the X as formerly known as Twitter to a lot of people. But it's trending for the right reason, meaning that college football kickoff is here and we'll get a chance to get that first taste of North Alabama taking on Mercer at 2.30 on ESPN on Saturday, the first American game, as Brent Dearman let us know about that yesterday, of course, in Dublin, Ireland, the Irish playing Navy. But a lot of great football to be had, a lot of great people 
that are going to be playing on the watch list throughout the entire country, throughout this entire season. Jim Nagy is going to bring the best of the best to Mobile, Alabama in February, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, I can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon joining us here on the final drive. Yeah, Corey, thanks for having me on, man. We will uh, we will be in Jacksonville State this weekend to see them play UTEP. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna. I'd love if we could pull off to the Crampton Bowl and, and check out North Alabama. It's just not going to work out time-wise. I don't think we'd be able to make it all the way up to – we're going to try to double up, but I don't think we'll be able to make it all the way up to Jacksonville State. But uh, you have a good time in Montgomery. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, joining us afternoon on the final drive. And, Nick, I mean, when you look at, again, at the top of the show, you mentioned uh, the top of that interview, South Alabama Jaguars being represented, just being on the watch list. You go from one being on the watch list to maybe not making it to having two guys that have actually made it to the NFL on that next level. Kane Womack has things going in the Uh, right direction. I mean, Jim said it. Look, they won 10 games last year. That was no fluke. I mean, they're going to probably go for double digits again. Now, is that going to be 10, 11, 12? I mean, we'll see what they can do. I'm excited, and I I know Jim is as well, to see uh, what Kane can cook this year. The Reese's Senior Bowl 75th anniversary coming up in February. And, of course, coming up next, we'll touch on a little news about the Alabama Crimson Tide. And there's news not coming from a football player standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint. We'll give you that update next here on The Final Drive. This is T.J. Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the sports station, WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, so far today, an outstanding lineup and show. Of course, we had Simone Eli, sports director at WKRG, giving her breakdown and her thoughts about what has transpired in high school football in the offseason as we prepare for kickoff tomorrow. And then we were joined by the legendary Hall of Famer, George Teague, Number 13, getting it done for the Crimson Tide. One of the most iconic picture paintings. That might be one my, my favorite interview in my short time here on the afternoons. I think that was my favorite interview by far. And if you missed it, you're, you're not going to want to miss it again. We're going to play it again at 530. So, hey, guys, if you're just now getting off work, you're really going to want to tune in and hear this one. Absolutely. Gave us an opportunity to, to give – the rankings of corners that Nick put out there, former Alabama corners and current Alabama corner Kool-Aid McKinstry included in that. And as while we're talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide, of course, Eli Gold, we're so happy to have him back behind the microphone for the Alabama Crimson Tide as Eli's continuing to try to regain his strength. And, of course, breaking news earlier today is that he will be doing just the home games for the Alabama Crimson Tide instead of traveling on the road. Chris Stewart, of course, will be taking the reins on the road for the Alabama Crimson Tide as he's done 
over the last year and done a tremendous and phenomenal job just keeping the seat warm for Eli Gold in his return. But Tyler Watts will be jumping on board now to join both Chris Stewart and Eli Gold on the play-by-play and of course, you know, Eli battling cancer, ringing that bell, beating cancer, looking forward to hearing his voice against Middle Tennessee and against Texas the first couple of weeks for the Alabama Crimson Tide at home. No, oh, yeah, it's exciting. And look, Chris Stewart did a great job. I mean, you, you can hear Chris Stewart every week on the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee. So you're. Alabama fans, we're not losing anything, right? We're just getting more variety of the things that we like, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Tyler Watts providing color commentary for the Crimson Tide, which is going to be a lot of fun as far as this Alabama season is concerned. And, you know, Tyler coming down here, I, I remember Tyler Watts coming down. Folks, I don't know if you remember this game. Of course, we have the Viger and Blunt game that is getting ready to be played on this Saturday. But Tyler Watts, did you know he came down here and played against the Wolfpack of Viger? And George T said, look, while he was at JD, he mentioned Viger as one of those high schools that was phenomenally loaded with talent. But Tyler Watts, pretty, pretty daggum good high school quarterback. And, of course, that matriculating over to his time with the Crimson Tide. And Tyler was one of those guys, kind of like Jake Coker, I'm going to put my head down first and run over you before I go and look at anything else. So that's always going to be a great dynamic when you do look at the addition of Tyler Watts to the broadcast team of Chris Stewart and Eli Gold. And just thanking our our Heavenly Father that that Eli Gold is able to, to go ahead and be healthy right. enough to hear that voice. And That's right. I, I will say this. We also have been talking a little bit today about college football, and we started off the show talking about Reggie Bush. Yeah. And Reggie Bush suing the NCAA for defamation. And Every, everyone has their own opinion on that one. The app was really, you know, this side, that side. And I think even, Corey, you and I were very, I don't know, I, what is Reggie Bush really wanting out of this? He's planning to speak to the media. Has he done it already during the show? I don't know. I don't know when it was exactly scheduled, but you're not going to get your Heisman Trophy back. That's not happening. He's suing them for defamation because in 2021, an NCAA representative said that Reggie Bush was doing pay for play. That is not precisely what Reggie Bush lost his Heisman Trophy for. Reggie Bush said that, that was an insult to his character and and cratered his reputation. Personally, I didn't really change my – I like Reggie Bush, and when that came out in 2021, honestly, I don't even remember it coming out. So it must not have been that bad to hurt his reputation, but he's suing them for defamation. I think the only thing possible that he can get out of it is maybe a little, uh, a little cash, a check, but you're not getting that Heisman Trophy back. No, that's it's not gonna happen. I, I I don't see that coming at all. And we'll try to go ahead and, and, and get someone who has boots on the ground 
out there in Southern California and who has covered the Trojans to kind of give us a better insight on what Reggie Bush's press conference was all about because it was coming on right before our show today started, of course, them being on the West Coast two hours behind us. The press conference has concluded, and we'll try to follow up a little bit about that and if there's any audio available to try to pull that up to get Reggie Bush's thoughts about why he's suing the NCAA, but uh, or what is the benefit of it? Because right. to me, defamation of character or defamation in general, that's not going to get back your Heisman Trophy. That's right. I mean, look, I'm, I'm ready for that untold Reggie Bush documentary, man. That would be something. That would have some, okay, now what really went down? That would be interesting. The Florida untold, much to some criticism of other people. Look, Urban Meyer had that final edit on that documentary. So, does it? Is it only the glitz and the glamour and none of the the nitty gritty stuff we all wanted to see? Yes, but I, I will say this: Kendon in the app says should have never lost his house. O.J. Simpson still has his or his Heisman. He was accused of murder, although not convicted. And then he broke into a hotel room and stole his memorabilia back. To me, if I'm Reggie Bush, I'm going to say this again. I wouldn't have given it back. You're going to have to sue me or pry find it, a way. Pry it You're out of my have hands. To pry it away. Now, <laughs> if Southern Cal wants to give the, the replica up, that's fine. But if I'm Reggie Bush, man, listen, you're not going to get this Heisman Trophy away from me. I earned it on the field just like you're not going to get my national championship ring back. You're not going to get your Heisman back. You can verbally take it away from me but physically, no sir. It's going to be mine because you gave it to me. Dodge those attorneys like you dodge those tacklers, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Five o'clock hour, hour number three of the final drive Coming up here on WNSP 105.5, Kenny King, the head football coach of the Daphne Trophy. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Nick Wiggins. And, of course, if you have not downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, what are you waiting for, folks? It's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. You're able to correspond with us in the WNSP app. We'd love to hear from you because, again, it gives us a chance for corrections. You're able to, to object to what we're saying. You're able to chime in to what you're saying. You're able to make us correct and, or incorrect. We're able to read your feedback on the air. So we love corresponding with you, especially as we're getting ready to gear up for the high school, college, and NFL seasons. If you're at a high school football game, you can call in that score, type in that score, and give us updates. And, of course, you can call us the old-fashioned way, 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And, you know, it's a pleasure when you get a chance to talk to two former Alabama greats, as we had George Teague on earlier with us today talking about his most memorable Alabama moments and another former 
University of Alabama great from right here in our backyard. Kenny King, currently the head coach of the Daphne Trojans. And, of course, Daphne getting the chance to come across the water and play the Murphy Panthers at Lad People Stadium tomorrow night around this time in 24 hours. Coach King and his Trojans will be walking the field at Lad Peebles getting ready for their first game of the year. Coach, welcome to the final drive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Coach, uh, you're gearing up, man. 24, less than 24 hours away from getting ready for a big high school 2023 opening game versus the Murphy Panthers. And, of course, it, it's not going to get any easier for you. In week number two, you've got Carver, Montgomery, and then you, you jump right into region play with Alma Bryant. But I know you're looking and focusing on the Murphy Panthers and have since the season has ended for you guys. Tell us a little bit what to expect from this 2023 Trojans team. Um, expect um, guys that's playing discipline, um, guys having fun, enjoying playing football. Um, I think, um, you know, over time, um, you know, you'll see the success of the Trojans from just guy, guys playing sound uh, sound football. Um, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, we, we got a group of guys that, that is enjoying the game. Uh, you don't see that out of young guys. You know, they always say uh, this, this youth and this generation uh, like football, that they don't love football. But, man, I got a group of guys that love football, like to go out and practice, like to go out and compete, man. So we're super excited to see what they can do uh, this time tomorrow. Coach, I, I know they have to love football. It's the hottest it's ever been on the planet, not just here in <laughs> Daphne, Alabama or Mobile, Alabama. It's the hottest that it's ever been setting those record scorching temperatures. Uh, talk about the challenges of trying to fit in your practice times to acclimate the guys to the heat and what you've been stressing to your players to make sure that nothing wrong medically happens from a heat stroke or an exhaustion standpoint. Uh, we have a good team, a great team here, a uh, great team of doctors and trainers. Um, we have uh, student trainers that that's all making sure they follow the, the correct protocol. Our coaches do a great job of making sure that we stop uh, practice for our mandatory water breaks and limited practice um, for the amount when it comes to the heat. So, um, like I said, we got a great staff that, that understands the importance of making sure that our guys stay hydrated and, um, and again, uh, making sure we stay in protocol because um, you got to make sure that these kids stay safe. I know this much too, Coach King, that when you look at what is Daphne Trojans football, because again, in the past, when you look at some of the great state championship teams, it was very well balanced offensively and defensively. It, it, it's one of those situations where you can't say the offense carried us to a championship or the defense carried us to a championship. The balance of the Daphne Trojans, is that what Daphne Trojans football is all about? Man, it's about, that's what it's about. Again, Daphne uh, Trojan football is all about, man, staying disciplined and going out there and, and playing with some passion. Um, again, like I told you, man, um, our guys are, are uh, 
extra energized, man, extra excited to be out there to play the game of football. And, yes, you know, you talk about the success that Daphne has had in the past, and I was part of that as a player. Um, you've seen some great defenses, great offense, and, yes, it was balanced. And uh, that's what we we um, look to see out of our Trojans this year is a, a, a great balance. Um, and not just offensive, defense, uh, special teams, too, making sure those guys are, are doing what they need to do to uh, – to, contribute to the to the success of a win yeah that's huge when you talk about the third aspect of the game I know when you initially in your maybe your second or third year as Daphne you had a, a kicker that's playing for the University of South Alabama that's on a Lou Groza's watch list for being one of the nation's best kickers in Diego Guajardo. And I know that that third phase of the game is one that you really emphasize and focus on and have taken great pride in. Absolutely, man. Um, and that's what I emphasize, you know, being a head coach, you know, you, you say what, how do you truly contribute when you have a group of coaches? And um, I, I, uh, I am the, the special teams coordinator, right? So I'm um, getting to interact with the kids on a, a coaching basis on both sides of the ball, having offense, defense players, both playing that special team. So I enjoyed it. Like I said, Diego uh, kicked for us, um, and he's done a fantastic job over there at South Alabama. Man, we're super proud of him over here at Daphne. Man, he's making us proud. From a running back situation, uh, returning, do you do you have your returning quarterback and running back, or do you have that returning offensive lineman or skilled player that a lot of people know about from a year ago? Uh, we have our uh, three returning offensive linemen. Of course, we have our returning uh, running back, Nick Clark. Uh, Nick Clark's been here, star for us for a while, so uh, he's come, he's he's now a senior, and uh, we're expecting some big things out of him. He had over a thousand yards last year, I and mean, we expected more this year. So um, we we we're super excited about uh, Nick Clark. Um, we we actually have uh, our starting quarterback is Landon Snow. Um, he came in and transferred into Daphne this year, and has been doing some great stuff for us, man. So uh, I'm excited what what he he's been able to do uh, this spring and summer, and I'm looking for him to have a breakout year uh, his senior year as a quarterback as far as from a returning standpoint defensively how many defensive starters do you have coming back for this Trojans team uh, we have five starters coming back um, um, uh, really the guys up front um, that's anchoring the line uh, one uh, linebackers uh, that's coming back in a, a safety and Al Woodard. So, um, again, um, only five starters coming back on defense. They have a young defense, but they, they're a defense that, that can run, and they run to the ball. They're very aggressive, and um, I think um, – and I know they'll hold their own. So, uh, super excited to see these young guys play. Absolutely love the fact that you guys are in the largest classification in the state, 7A Region 1 football. I mean, when you do look at the largest classification of any state, it's top-notch competition, top-notch football week in and week out. I know that I mentioned that because you guys are only in a 17 Region 1 uh area there it, it makes it to where you guys get an opportunity to take on non-region opponents such as Hillcrest Evergreen such as teams like Carver Montgomery when you do look and Spanish Fort as well right there before your your bye week talk about your non-region schedule 
Um, no, recent schedule. Um, you you when when you put together a schedule, you're looking for guys uh, and looking for teams that can compete um, and compete on a high level. And you and you know the history of Spanish Fort uh, being here next to us uh, in our backyard, our neighbors, and uh, that's a big rivalry game for for the Daphne community and Spanish Fort community. So um, you definitely have to have that in our region game. And um, you, a lot of people come come out for that game. I mean, I think that's one of the um, largest viewing game on TV is Daphne versus Spanish Fort. So um, just, the, <laughs> just the energy that comes with that game. Um, and then you're talking about, you know, traveling a little bit. We wanted to uh, travel and, and play a team that's uh, kind of in a, another region. Um, and that's uh, we decided to go with Carver, and Carver had a strong team last year. We lost to them at the, uh, in the fourth quarter, and they had some five-star defensive linemen, and man, they had a great quarterback. Man, they they had a run last year, but just finding teams that you can um, you can compete against that's um, that you can see different different things that you will see in the playoffs. So, um, but again, having that rival game, but also playing guys um, outside of this area. Um, to see more competition of what you'll see when you get in the playoffs. Well, it just means more to to a coach when you get a chance to to have those Friday night lights shine on you, not only as a high school player, but when you're able to do it at your alma mater as well. And I know that you've done a tremendous job at your time at Daphne High School and definitely look forward to watching the 20 23 Daphne Trojans as Kenny King enters his eighth season as the head coach at Daphne as they take on the Murphy Panthers at historic Glad People Stadium tomorrow tomorrow night kickoff schedule for seven o'clock p.m. Coach King I look forward to being the PA announcer for that game tomorrow night kicking off high school football here in the Mobile Baldwin County area and be stay stay cool and we'll definitely talk to you tomorrow night coach. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Kenny King, the head football coach of the Daphne Trojans, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And up next, we'll have Trent Massey from Future Ones joining us to talk about the great apparel and equipment that Future Ones provides to not only our local teams, but throughout the state of Alabama and as well as the country. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And we're 26 hours away from high school football kicking off. Of course, volleyball has already revved up here in our area and across the state. Cross country getting kicked off in these extreme heat conditions. But what better way to stay cool than in the Future Ones apparel that's provided by Trent Massey, Gus Smith, the founders of Future Ones. Trent Massey joins us this afternoon. How's everything going, Trent? Corey, man, it's going great. Going real good. Uh, I'm ready for the heat to be gone, just like everybody else. Uh, my son plays high school football, and I know they're having to do a little bit different at practice just to contend with the heat. And I hear a lot of, a lot of people are starting games late Friday, potentially, in other areas of the state. So, uh, it's a 
it's a time that everybody's enjoying, but it's also somewhat miserable with the heat. So. <laughs> hey, kudos to, we said this earlier in the show, kudos to all the parents, the student athletes, the band members, the cheerleaders that are really enduring right. this heat because it has definitely been historic and brutal as far as heat is concerned. Even, even if it rains, I think it evaporates before it even hits the ground. It's so hot here in Mobile and Baldwin counties, but your apparel is always hot and it's always on fire. Tell us a little bit about the apparel that you guys are providing, not only for this fall season, but upcoming to cool things off for the winter seasons. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where we've been able to provide a great a great quality product at a very affordable price, and um, the the brand is is definitely becoming one that is mentioned in line with the other major brands out there when it comes to uniform options and different things. Uh, you know, in, in Montgomery, Alabama, they just renamed a couple of schools. Uh, Lee High School is now Percy Julian, and Jeff Davis is now JAG High School. And uh, we are actually doing one of the uniforms for uh, – are doing the, the football uniforms for JAG this year. Um, just got that order – just, just got back from Montgomery, actually. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's definitely one of those things that, as a as a coach, as a player, it's becoming a um, a normal brand. And you know that that goes out to everybody that's a part of Future Ones. It's not just what you know me and Gus do or anything like that. It's we have a great staff that that works tirelessly. The ladies in the office. We have our own production department. Um, a guy named Corey actually runs that for us. Uh, you know, it's it's all done. Uh, most of the the decoration is done here in Mobile, and you know they're they're up there right now at the office uh, working, getting orders out, and in a timely manner, and you know just servicing the community and the schools all around the state. Well, Trent, if people want to chime in and find out more about future ones and all of the products you have to offer because it's not just apparel. You guys do full equipment as well. How can people learn more about Future Ones? If, if you go to futureones.com, that's the word future, the number one, and an S, futureones.com, there's there's all kinds of options on there for apparel. There's a link for equipment. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, a lot of times, even coaches we've, we've done business with for a while, I didn't know you sold football. I didn't know you sold basketball. You know, the answer to that is yes, we sell everything, even the general public. Uh, we, we have not opened up yet, but our, our intention is to uh, open a sporting goods store out there in Sims again, and uh, you'll be able to come by our, our retail spot eventually. However, if, if, you're, if you need a new glove, a Wilson glove, if you need bats coming up for the fall league, if you need shoulder pads, helmets, helmets are hard to get right now, but anything like that, even the general public, uh, give us a call. Look on our website. Um, our number is 877-583-0747, and uh, we'll be glad to help you out. And if we don't have it in stock, we can order it. It'll be here in a couple of days, and we'd love to love to help you out. Can't thank you enough, Trent. Total leather tomorrow night and this week. As far as even on Saturday, we have two Future One schools being featured at Lad People's Stadium. So, Thank you so much for your time and your support as always, and we'll be talking with you again next week. 
Thank you very much, Corey. Blunt's new uniforms will be delivered to the school tomorrow morning for their game on Saturday. Love it. Absolutely love it. Can't wait to see that as I'll be covering that along with Al Whedon on the MCPSS Television Network broadcast. And, of course, the final drive will be right back here on WNSP 105.5. And you don't want to miss. That's right. Look, George Teague, that was a great interview. We had him rank who was the better cornerback out of him, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Trayvon Diggs. Corey and I, we did our own rankings. And you're going to be surprised we got him to do it too. He talked about that hit on Terrell Owens. He talked about that strip against Miami. It was a candid interview. He wasn't shy to, you know, say his own perspective of certain things and look when an interview is so nice you got to play it twice so we're going to play it here coming off the break it's the final drive hey this is Ladarius Owens former Auburn football player and current CFL player you're listening to WNSP drive here on WNSP 105.5 and if you're a college football fan you don't have to be just a diehard Alabama fan to know that Keith Jackson was talking about George Teague making one of the most historic plays in the University of Alabama's football lore right there George Teague joining us this afternoon on the final drive George how's everything going my friend Man, shoot, I am so happy to be with you guys and sitting inside because it's hot outside, brother. <laughs> um, but, man, it's really great to be able to come on and be able to talk some football with you guys. Absolutely. We're, we're thrilled to, for you to be on the final drive with us. And, George, I will say this. One of your former teammates here, and you've got a few here in Mobile, Alabama, that used to play with you on that 92 national championship team, Roosevelt Patterson, first and foremost, Big Rosie told me to tell you hello. And, hey, look, there's an infamous meeting that Jim, G, uh, Gene Stallings had that where there was some other guy from Mobile, Alabama, Willie Gaston, sitting down there in the front row. And Coach Stallings said, son, are you asleep in my meeting? He said, nah, Coach, it just got a long wink, a long blink there. Do you, he said, do you remember that story? Absolutely, I remember that. And uh, I'm glad that Roosevelt was uh, – you know, still doing well. Uh, he was one of the funniest dudes on the team, man. Uh, you know, he was a big force, big reason why we were able to win a lot of games to win that national championship. Uh, but I do remember that uh, Coach Stallings and Bill Oliver had their own way of, uh, I don't know, motivating us, <laughs> you know, to be our best both on and off the field. Well, I will say this. You, you are an elite All-American player at Alabama, and then you go on into the NFL and have tremendous success. And, of course, as we're getting ready to start the college football season along with the NFL season, protecting that star is so very important. I, 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 you're just going to be infamous not only for what you were able to accomplish in a national championship game, but how you were able to go ahead and protect that star – 
and knock the hell out of Terrell Owens, something that a lot of people have not been able to do or wish they could do to this day. But hitting a future NFL Hall of Famer right there at midfield on the star, I, I know that's something that those are two moments from the strip and to the hit that you'll always remember in your lifetime. I will, and I'm proud to, to have both of those non-plays, if you want to look at it that way, uh, you know, <laughs> because of the penalty in the next championship, but hitting Terrell Owens. And it, it's kind of cool, you know, knowing that uh, I'm not in the professional Hall of Fame, don't anticipate being there either. But I feel like I'm in there because of my closeness to Terrell Owens and <laughs> that I'm riding his coattail right on in there just because of, our history is always going to be together. He can't shake me. He can't shake me. I know he's one of our Alabama boys um, and things of that nature. Alabama is the state of Alabama. Um, but, you know, those are great times. we got to be able to defend our home. It's what Alabama's going to do, the same thing. It's, there's certain things you can't do it. You can't take, man, in games. And you can't go dancing on people's logos. That's just the way it is. I, I would hope that as this continues to happen to the NFL, that people continue to make the stance and say, don't do not do that in our house. So, so George, you're, you're currently an NFL analyst for CBS 11 in Dallas. When Terrell Owens ended up coming and playing for the Dallas Cowboys, how did that kind of make you feel? Was there any love lost, or uh, we're all here and we're big, happy family now? No, I think the best thing was that um, when he did come, I was on my way out, so we didn't actually have to be in the locker room together. Um, but I think uh, as a fan of the team, too, I thought it was a little disrespectful. I understand the business side of things, and you got to get the best players to win. But, you know, he had some other baggage <laughs> that was evident at the time that I don't think we needed um, on our team. Uh, and the, the one piece I can give you guys that really set our tempo was I actually wanted to be cool with him. Um, so when he did come to the Cowboys, um, I was on the sideline before one of the games, and I wanted to go shake his hand because we had talked. And do you know this dude wouldn't shake my hand, man? Oh. Wouldn't even look me in the face, bro. Um, so uh, that was kind of, you know, how our relationship started, and it's kind of where it still is. Well, I tell you this. I mean, that speaks volumes right there. So, I, you know, for speaking on your behalf, I, I, I am glad you were able to get that lick at the logo because again, you don't want to look me eye to eye. At least you're gonna catch this forearm shiver in the middle of the field. But there are so many plays that go on within a football game, whether it's high school or collegiately or on the pro level, that probably meant so much to you and of course the biggest play it's right here in our office here at WNSP your strip there of Lamar Thomas D do you ever get an opportunity to 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 really absorb and to let that soak in when you start looking at 30 years down the line I know those reunions are always sweet and I've seen you at Alabama games, whether it's on the road or at home. I know you try to catch as many Crimson Tide games as possible, but if you had to pick that one football moment that defines George Teague, what is that going to be? Um, well, this may surprise you, and I think it surprises people when I say it all the time because in that game I actually had two very big plays. Uh, one was stripping the ball from Lamar, but the other one was – intercepting the ball and taking it in for a touchdown. 
So when I actually think of it, I go with the interception, man. It's like a dream come true for a defensive back to get into the end zone, <laughs> you know, on national television. And just the way it all lined up, most people don't even know the backstory behind it. We weren't lined up right. I was on the wrong guy, you know, um, all this kind of stuff. And so I think it was just meant to be for me to be there to be able to make that play and then to get into the end zone. Um, that That one – is what I probably watch more because you, you just get to see character. You get to, get to see the other stuff. High stopping, throwing the ball, carrying the ball one hand. These are things you practice on. It just happened, you know. Um, so although the whole game was great and fabulous, for me it's that touchdown um, going into that game where I say that's George T. That, that's the guy that wanted to be a corner and a safety, wanted to be good at everything, who wanted to play press man. Um, yeah, wanted to chase down guys, cause fumbles and all that kind of stuff. But being, beginning up in the slot and, and playing man-to-man from a safety position was, you know, it's it just it's a proud moment for me. George, you're one of the most elite defensive backs in Alabama Crimson Tide history, and there's a, another former Alabama Crimson Tide defensive back in Trayvon Diggs who also ended up going to the Cowboys. And then you've got another elite defensive back currently on that Alabama roster in Kool-Aid McKinstry. And I'll ask you, what's your opinion on both those players? And if you can, can you rank those three? You, yourself, Trayvon, and Kool-Aid. Okay. I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> uh, well, first let me talk about Trayvon. I think he is, uh, and I get to watch a lot of him, um, as you, as you as mentioned uh, before the show, you know, being an analyst, watching the film, doing that kind of stuff, and I see so many flashing moments, uh, great moments of Trayvon Diggs, just his closing speed, his ability to play the ball um, and things. So he is definitely an elite, I mean, obviously, right, uh, to be in the NFL, but even at this level now, not very many weaknesses. I think once he gets past the gamble factor, and um, really starts to get to the part where it's, uh, I'm going to say, a little more calculated tendency, this kind of stuff, and using maybe a little bit more technique. I think he could be one of the best ever um, to play the game if he if he does that. Um, Kool-Aid, um, same type of guy, I think. Um, I think technically he is going to be so much better uh, because I just saw the way he played press, you know, um, where I thought there could be some things that are better there. But this guy is, you know, when you can return the ball, uh, when you can play the ball, um, you, you you just put yourself in a whole new stratosphere. And that's why he's going to be an All-American. You know, he's going to be a high draft pick and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's still a little small little glimmer of greatness that he hasn't even reached yet. Um, just from youth. Um, so to rank them, um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, in third place, uh, I would put um, I'm gonna go with uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, as the number three defensive back uh, of the three names that you 
giving me. At least you didn't ask me to do the um, start, cut, bench thing. Oh, that yeah, would have been kind of hard to Next time. Yep. And then the number two would be George Teague, actually. Um, I think that my deficiency at the time, even at some of the peak um, pieces, was I, I, I would not put myself in one because I, I probably didn't play the ball as well as I should a lot of times when it was in the air. I did struggle sometimes maybe judging the ball, and I'm going to blame that on because I didn't know I had bad eyesight and I didn't have contacts. So uh, <laughs> the ball flooded a lot, and I, I dropped probably way too many interceptions, um, particularly coming out of um, Alabama and even the first part of the league. Um, and so that would put Trayvon as my number one guy just because I think his, his ball skills are um, – crazy ridiculous just the way he can jump and do things that they just he's a freak athlete um and is still has a whole lot of upside you know if you haven't i don't know what he had 11 i don't even remember how many interceptions he had that one year um up here with the cowboys but it's crazy and he could have had more so um that's it, man. Diggs one, Teague two, Kenstry three. Can't go wrong with that, George that's Teague. A scary, that's that, a, that'd be a scary secondary. It, it, it definitely <laughs> is scary when you when you start looking at it. All very productive. And George Teague currently being very productive. Friday night lights. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Well, of course it is when you're building multi-million dollar high school football facilities. But I know you being the athletic director at John Paul II High School in Plano, Texas, you get the chance to see your fair share of Friday Night Lights. Talk to us about here as we are getting ready to kick off football along the Gulf Coast in Mobile and Baldwin counties on tomorrow night throughout the next 15 or 16 weeks. What it's like, what Friday Night Lights still mean to you as you're standing on the sidelines as an athletic director? Well, um, well let me say this first. Y'all going to have to make sure y'all text me after the show because I need to know how y'all ranked everybody as well to see where you put me at. That was going to be interesting because I don't want y'all talking about me behind my back when I ain't on the show or whatever. I need to know what's going on. Okay. Uh, but from the uh, high school standpoint, let me put it this way. Um, one of the games that I remember as a player was when we went down to your neck of the woods and we actually had to play a high school called Viger, um, <laughs> uh, which was, uh, and I'm talking about when I was at Jeff Davis High School in Montgomery. Sure. Um, and, and so uh, it, these moments that kids have with high school football are, are very impactful in a lot of ways. Alabama has great football. Texas has great football. Um, we do it different out here in Texas. I mean, you, I don't know if you guys have been seeing the news. They just built this new $35 million stadium yeah. up, up the road from us. Allen High School, where Kyler Murray and all those people came from, they spent $100 million, $100 million on their stadium. Um, uh, every time someone comes in to Texas and says, hey, you know, there's a few things you got to go see where JFK got shot. Um, you know, you got to go to Stockyards, but you also need to go see this um, uh, Allen Stadium because no one believes it. And when they drive by it, they go, that's a high school stadium? That's not like, you know, a college? No, that is a high school stadium. Bigger than Crampton Bowl, any of the other big uh, – I forget the name of the field down there where they play the senior bowl. Down Land at, um, Stadium? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just – 
it's unbelievable when you see the average stadium, you know, that you go, you just can't believe it. So um, the it's pretty cool for it to be able to start up right now um, and get back into it because it's exciting times. You get to see uh, emotions and the grit and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the um, excitement um, that I absolutely love it being an athletic director here at JP2 um, because there's, it brings your whole community together. Everybody's together. The band, the dance team, the cheerleaders, the spirit boys, the whatever spirit groups you got, all this stuff. And there's nothing like football to pull the whole school together. I agree with you there. George, can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time here with us on WNSP 105.5. And I know you have the YouTube at Teague's Take and so many other great things that are going on for yourself. How can people reach out and follow all of your great coverage of not only the Dallas Cowboys breaking down the Alabama Crimson Tide? And, oh, by the way, if you're not busy on Friday night and you're in that lazy boy and you get an opportunity to tune in to ESPN, make sure you, you look at Sarah Land High School taking on Lipscomb of Tennessee. Of course, Sarah Land being right here in the Mobile area. Ryan Hollywood Williams, a wide receiver, has verbally committed to the University of Alabama. He's Mr. Football in the state of Alabama as a sophomore. Tune in to that on Friday night or set your DVR, and we want everyone to set their tuning in to Teague's Take as well. How can people follow you? Yeah, man, I love what you said. Thank you. And, I, you know, people can go to YouTube. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, uh, at Teague's Take. Uh, we do uh, a weekly show uh, with my son. It's kind of cool to be able to talk with my son about Alabama football um, and college football um, and things of that nature. Actually, going to be talking about the SEC, Texas, and OU coming into the SEC um, tonight. 8.15 p.m. is when we, we do record it live. Um, so you can do that. People that are on social media, man, if you want to communicate with me, I'm active with it. Just hit me up at Teague Football, Teague Football on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I like to post about a lot of different stuff uh, on there. So my DMs are always open, too. If you need something, want something, reach out to me. Hit me there, and, uh, you know, we can start a, a good, fun relationship. GeorgeTeague.com or at Teague's Take on X, formerly known as Twitter, folks. So you don't want to miss that opportunity to engage with one of the Alabama Sports Hall of Famers here. And, of course, one of the Crimson Tide All-American legends, George Teague, joining us this afternoon here on The Final Drive. George, can't thank you enough. Look forward to catching up with you again really soon, talking more about not only the Crimson Tide, the Dallas Cowboys, and your football stories. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for the opportunity, man. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, man. Thanks. George right, Teague joining us this afternoon. And again, right here in our office is so many portraits across the country. If you're an Alabama Crimson Tide for fan, Daniel Moore's portraits have George Teague stripping that football away and what a historic and iconic that, moment. That, that was that was a great interview right there with well, George. It, it, but one, Nick, what struck me is the fact that he said that's not even his fondest memory yeah. of that game himself. <laughs> right. And I would have never guessed that, but to hear it out of the horse's mouth, 
and the fact that he got a chance to knock the hell out of Terrell Owens. That was that was funny. The handshake story was funny. I like that he ranked the three. I was like, oh, he ain't going to do it. this, But he did. Yeah, he and did. And Humble said, I'll be number two. I'm number two. And we'll have to shoot him our rankings as <laughs> That's well. That's right. That's the right. final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty and Nick Wiggins returns. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive, and it is the final segment of the final drive. Look, George Teague, man. What what else can you say? I mean. He told you everything you want to know. We're going to definitely have to get him back on throughout the season and talk some Dallas Cowboys and some Alabama football with him. Great connection to have right there. I agree with you there, Nick Wiggins. And and I'll say this. It's been an outstanding show. Simone Eli, the director of sports from WKRG, joins us to talk high school football and her fifth quarter kickoff show that's debuting on Friday night. Jim Nagy from the Reese's Senior Bowl joins us to talk about the watch list that was just dropped. Many South Alabama, Alabama, and Auburn players, and even one that's at Ole Miss, Cedric Johnson, that we interviewed at SEC Media Days is on that list as well. We also were able to be joined by Kenny King, and then, of course, our biggest guest, George Teague, joining us as well. Tomorrow, You don't want to miss your Saints connection. Ross Jackson will chime in to let us know how the Saints are going into their final preseason game and the preparation there for the final cuts and roster. Lindsey Crosby will be joining us to talk Major League Baseball. We'll also have Kelsey Nicole Nelson, who covers the Washington Commanders, and we'll get an update on Jeremy Reeves and how he's doing, the former South Alabama Jaguar. Of course, we'll have the Tide and Tiger Report with Nick Alvarez from AL.com and Jason Caldwell. And and you know what else we'll be talking about tomorrow? What what are your plans tonight? And listeners, what are your plans tonight? Because I know what mine are. Nick. Don't give me no BS. Don't give me no BS, man. That's all I'm going to give you tomorrow. The Bishop Sycamore documentary. Yes, that Bishop Sycamore, the fake high school that played on ESPN. And look, we got our own high school, and there's nothing fake about them. Sarah Lane playing on ESPN this Friday. But Bishop Sycamore, that is about to be a crazy documentary. I think I got the trailer right here. Let's play some of that audio. And look, we all are complaining about that Florida documentary. They didn't get into the nitty-gritty of it all. But when you hear the head coach and the guy who put all of this together, Bishop Sycamore, you already know that you're going to get something entertaining. IMG to kick off to Bishop Sycamore. The absurdity kept stacking and stacking and stacking. How this happened, it's got a lot of people scratching their head. They did not have teachers. He was pretty much on our own. We didn't have any trainers. It was disgusting. Did I break a law? Is it illegal? Am I in jail? We're on ESPN. Win, lose, or draw, we win. That's going to be some good stuff. And there was another clip where a player who had already (laughs) played football at the junior college level played for Bishop Sycamore. And he was like, I don't know. Is there something wrong with this? 
Yeah. What do you think? You've already graduated high school, brother. What do you think you're doing? Going backwards from junior <laughs> college, going backwards to playing in high school. And it's kind of like those that don't have a birth certificate from other countries. Uh -huh. When they come over here and you find out they're actually 24, 25-year-olds playing against 16 and 17-year-olds. Shame, shame, shame. But that looking forward to seeing what the BS is yeah, all about that, tomorrow. That's going to be a good one, man. Everything we didn't get in that Florida Gators documentary, I think we're going to be able to get it here with that Bishop Sycamore doc. So, And that comes out tonight at 9 p.m. on Mac. So stay up late and watch that. And, man, I'm going to have a rough morning. If I'm staying up late to watch Bishop Sycamore, I'm going to be joining Mark and Lee out in Fairhope tomorrow for the first edition of the Dr. Mullenix High School Game Day on the opening kickoff. Can't wait for that. It means high school football is in the air. Total leather in about 25 hours for sure, folks. And it's been a great three hours here on the final drive. Of course, go back and listen to it on Spotify and WNSP Selects. Check us out on social media as well. Been another great final drive. We'll catch you again tomorrow.